Toronto's Vegetarian Podcast. We come to you from the offices of the Toronto Vegetarian Association, otherwise known as the TVA, and we are heard on CJRU 1280am, the Scope Ryerson's campus and community station. My name is Sarah, and I'm joined today by Sweta and Steve. We are all volunteers with the TVA, and our mission is to inspire people to choose a healthier, greener, and more compassionate lifestyle through plant-based eating. So on today's show, we are going to be chatting about Plantify, which is a short documentary available on CBC Gems from Absolutely Canadian. And Plantify explores um, a small community in the Burren Peninsula in Newfoundland and how they started going plant-based. So it's an interesting concept because obviously here at the TVA, we are based in a large city, Toronto, And we're lucky to have access to a lot of resources that support us following plant-based diets. And that's not always the case in different communities across the country. So we thought this was a good chance to kind of explore some of those differences and and see how people can be supported in their plant-based journeys, regardless of their geographical and cultural context. So I'm just curious, Waita and Steve, what were your initial thoughts on this little documentary? And yeah, what kind of themes came out for you yeah i noticed the uh uh the lack of vegetables in the regular diet and uh, it just reminded me that uh, we call newfoundland the rock for a good reason there's not a lot of fertile soil there and that's probably how they got into this diet was they ate what what what, what was available and easy to easy to produce something obviously needs to be done about this and there are little pockets of fertile soil but there just isn't much can I do a little a little background for people that haven't seen it? So it follows these two doctors. So one's a surgeon and one's an epidemiologist and a physician. And they're a husband-wife couple. And they have a workshop called the Gift of Health Workshop. And so it's following them and some of the people that have attended that workshop. And then it kind of puts that against some registered dietitians. So, you know, they'll say one thing like plant-based is good. And the registered dietitians will say something that potentially contradicts it. Um, And then there's another doctor that also makes an appearance in there, as well as, of course, people that have attended the the workshop. So I thought, I don't know, I thought it was very interesting, like that the the community seemed to really support it and really got into it. And I don't know, it was just very encouraging because, uh, like you said, Sarah, we're used to the big city vibes and veganism in the big city. And this shows us that even in a small town that it's possible And the things that I thought were really cool was that the other doctors were supporting. So there were two instances of other doctors supporting the plant-based workshop. There was one patient that uh, had some sort of issue with her knee, I think. And her doctor told her to lose some weight. And she's like, okay, well, you know, do you have any suggestions? Like, how do I lose this weight? And her doctor referred her to the Rayapudis, who are the, the people that work, uh, run the Gift of Health workshop. And so, again, it was like, a am assuming, a meat-eating doctor referring to this, like, plant-based workshop. And then there's this other doctor that also makes 
an appearance in the documentary whose uh, name is Dr. Ghassan Ali. And he had kind of the same reaction, except for it was from the other end, where he was dealing with patients that had cardiac issues. And he was trying to work with these patients to improve things. And things weren't improving. But then all of a sudden they were. And he's like, what happened? What did you do? How are things improving? Tell me. And the patients are like, the workshop, the Gift of Health workshop. So uh, I like how much the community is supportive. And it's not just the doctors, it's the restaurants too. There were two restaurants that the documentary ends up visiting. Uh, One's um, an East Asian restaurant, Chinese, I think. And then the other one is called Roadhouse something. Not necessarily a place that you would associate with vegan cuisine, but both are starting to offer not just plant-based cuisine, but also like healthier cuisine options as well. The, the East Asian guy, um, the chef, he was talking about how the people are asking for fried rice without oil. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, um, I thought it was, uh, it was really good. It was really interesting. Yeah, I agree. I like um, what Sueto was saying about how a lot of the local businesses just started to adapt and shift. And I think that's really difficult. I mean, food is so innately tied to culture and history and what you're used to. So in a place like the small community in Newfoundland, you know, plant-based, like, what is that? Like, what do you use? And I think that a lot of the small businesses were very smart in terms of adapting what they were already using. So they weren't completely changing what they what they serve, but they were just adapting it. And, and so that's how they were able to you know, to keep going and to satisfy the demand for more plant-based options. It's quite inspiring. Yeah. One of the restaurateurs commented that uh, most of the people around that were that had health problems were older than a certain age and therefore unlikely to change. But most of the people being interviewed were in that age range and and had embraced the change. So it was an, it was an interesting little contradiction that way from from the, what's expected. Yeah, and I I hate that kind of, um, that condescending or that uh, you can't do it or they won't do it, that kind of vibe. And one of the, re- the registered dietitian that they kept going back to for her views, gosh, I was screaming at the TV half the time. Um, and she she's like, you know, maybe it'll be a little bit more realistic for people that have this kind of meat and potatoes diet to, to go on a Mediterranean diet rather than plant-based. And it's like, what are you talking about? These people are doing it. Why are you saying it's more realistic to do this other thing that's less good when they're yeah. already doing the thing that's so good and you're seeing that they're doing that thing? And I, I don't know, it's like very frustrating. Yeah, it sounded like that dietitian was from a background where she was very threatened by the whole idea of going plant-based. A lot of people seem to have an, feel emotionally threatened by the concept and I'm not quite sure where that comes from, but I... I've certainly encountered it many times in, in discussions in my life. And uh, uh, I, I don't know where that fear of change comes from, except uh, I've seen some people just be so afraid of it, they wound up dying out of it. Uh, they, they, uh, they're they so resistant to change. I, I don't understand um, the whole thing about the fresh fruit not being available because so much of our food is imported, you know, and so I don't, I don't really understand why it's such an issue in Newfoundland. One of the registered dietitians, she was saying, you know, the food travels by truck and then by boat. And by the time it gets to us, yep. it's degraded. None of the people that were in the, the, um, the workshop said that fresh food was hard to find. 
part of me is thinking like, is this just an excuse you're using to not eat properly? Because again, when people were determined to eat, you know, produce, then we didn't hear any of these complaints. We only heard about them as a cause for why people are eating poorly. Yeah, so I don't know. Does anyone know about that? Because all our food is imported, isn't it? Or most of our produce gets imported? Yeah, uh, the cost of importing it to a place like Newfoundland is higher, and therefore it's probably more costly too. Uh, so that that might be part of the issue. They they see vegetables as being something expensive and therefore a luxury you have once in a while, rather than rather than part of every meal. But uh, but yeah, the co- the cost of getting things onto the rock is higher. I, I can recognize that. But beans, I mean, I and that's the other thing that I always get frustrated with is like, okay, produce is a little bit more expensive than ramen noodles. I'm not even sure what we're comparing it to, uh, but. Beans are so cheap, you know, they're cheap because they have that long shelf life and no one ever talks about that. That's different from fresh vegetables though. Uh, No, it it for sure is, it for sure is, but if you're talking about healthy options and if you're talking about cheap, healthy options, beans and grains doesn't really get cheaper than that, does it? Yeah, beans and grains and seeds are are usually plentiful almost anywhere. And, and not very expensive, but uh, but if you want to supplement it with fresh vegetables, that that's where it starts to get a little costlier in a place like this. Yeah, but a lot of parts of Canada aren't that remote and have a lot of the same cultural problems. That's true. I mean, even within the city of Toronto, which is obviously yeah. huge in diversity. I mean, you know, I think all three of us live in relatively downtown areas, but there are certainly some neighborhoods where, you know. Yeah. It's a long way to a grocery store where you can get fresh produce, and yeah, the options just aren't as plentiful. Now, it wasn't it wasn't everyone supporting? Because one of the people, her name was Kim, and she was uh, she was going through the grocery store in her cart, and she said that uh, you know some people tell me I'm in a cult, but her reaction yeah. to that is that you know if it's a positive thing that's affecting people's health positively, then yeah, I'm going to be in that cult. I thought it was so funny because she said it with like the biggest like childish smile on her face like she was proud of it um she's also the one that sang that song towards the the end where she's like come on baby do the raya pudi with me referring to the the diet um that was funny like it's it's funny though like they're they're, they created a song the two of them and they were singing it at this potluck (laughs) because they were so excited about this diet and all the changes that it's made and we talk about you know food and culture and um how you know i don't know we need to maintain our culture or whatever but we don't talk about how this new these new avenues can bring people together they can bring an entire community together and the excitement and the joy around that kind of thing and i like how much arjun the the surgeon he focused on uh, the, the community part of it and just bringing everyone together. And he said something like, we got sick together, so why don't we get healthy together as a community? And I feel like yeah. in this podcast, we've been seeing a lot of this recently because the the um, the last guest that we had from Animal Liberation Kitchen, Tanya, she uh, went vegan with her family. And then a few podcasts before that, we had Samita Sarkar, and she also went vegan um, with her family. So we're seeing a lot of this like, veganism in a group and the power of that group which is really cool absolutely yeah there, there seems to be something happening elsewhere though because uh when i bicycle into small ontario towns i go to a supermarket usually to grab fresh juices and things like that 
I, I cook the rest of my food in the campground. Uh, but I've noticed that uh, you go in and they do have a section of vegetarian-based foods. Uh, the the, uh, the veggie imitation meats, the uh, th things like hummus, uh, and as well as some pretty good uh, juices, the uh, thing, things like uh, Happy Planet juices and things like that. There must be a market for them in those places. So it's not quite as bad as it used to be or, or as it seems, because there, there must be people asking for those things or they, they just wouldn't carry them on the shelf. Yeah, for sure. So as we were watching, the one of the registered dietitians who's also a personal trainer, so she kept coming on I guess to, to be like a contradictory person for the things that the Rayapudis were saying. And at one point, I don't know what nonsense she was saying, but my partner Fred, he's just like, he just, you know, screams at the TV, why is she even in this? Because all the stuff that she was saying was just kind of like, like nonsense, or it was like, there were like straw man arguments, they weren't acknowledging the whole point. And I don't know, I wonder why the documentary put her in it. But part of me is thinking, oh, they put her in it because they they couldn't find anyone else to actually contradict the these doctors because they're making such positive changes. Like there isn't going to be anyone, um, there isn't going to yeah. be any other doctor that's going to be willing to contradict. Totally. Yeah. And I think especially because a lot of the improvements that they're seeing as a community were related to chronic disease. And like those are such complex medical issues to be dealing with and so when you're seeing a positive trend it's like yeah how could you possibly negate the progress being made it was weird i'm gonna rail on her just a little bit more so uh, it really irritates me when people say like oh carbs are bad i think what people are trying to say is that simple carbs are bad and okay fine fine if you're just like a regular person that isn't a nutritionist uh, or registered dietitian or doctor okay fine you can get away with stuff like that but she said it because she was talking about how salads in Newfoundland are, you know, potato salads and pasta salads, not like leafy green salads. Right, And they're right. very carb heavy and high in fat. I'm like, oh, well, how can you say that? How can you say that as a registered dietitian? How can you use those words so, I don't know, uh, inaccurately, you know, like that just that just cuts her down completely, at least in my eyes. I'm like, I don't. I don't know, I don't trust you anymore. I mean, I didn't really, because of everything else you were saying, but this is like the, the final nail in the coffin. Yeah, I mean, it almost reminds me of, you know, sometimes I think we've all had experiences where we've gone to see a doctor or, you know, a health professional and their advice, while informed, you know, it, it just doesn't jive with, um, with what we know as individuals and what works for our bodies. So, I mean, I've certainly encountered that so many times, you know, oh my gosh, like, you're low in iron, you must eat meat, just like really... Um, prescriptive solutions that just aren't the only solution so well, I found that frustrating. Well, she, talked to, she talked about iron and she said that you know when people are going veg and they're going vegan they're taking out nutrients and they're not I don't know accounting for that or they're not acknowledging that and she said specific nutrients like b12 and um, omega-3s from fish and iron and the b12 uh, I think most uh, of us plant-based people know that that's not actually something that's in animals, it's a bacteria, um, and then, or that's not something that animals produce. 
And then um, the fish and the omega-3s, um, what about all the other garbage that you're getting from fish when you're going after mm-hmm. that one nutrient? Mm-hmm. And then the, the iron thing like really frustrates me uh, because she doesn't acknowledge the fact that heme iron is, it can be really bad for you because unlike plant-based iron, when your body has extra heme iron, so heme iron is iron that comes from blood. Uh, so any yeah. animal-based uh, product that you're eating that has iron in it, that would be heme iron. Um, and that uh, that iron, if there's excess, your body doesn't flush that out. That just sits around your your organs, and then it uh, it becomes like free radicals, and that's you know a carcinogen. And she doesn't she doesn't talk about any of that. She only talks about the benefits of heme iron, which are correct. That yes, it is more easily absorbed by the body. But plant based iron, if there's extra, your body just flushes that stuff out. And it's so I don't know. It's just so what is it, opportunistic, or I don't know what the word for that is, just like picking the specific arguments that fit. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't understand, like Steve, you said, I don't understand why she's so resistant to this. Some, I think it's something emotional from her past. And, uh, and without knowing her past, I'm not going to guess what it is. <laughs> I, I have, on that note, I have, one, I have uh, another comment about what she said. She said something about, you know, people struggle with so many things in their life and they struggle with food and she doesn't want to add to another food struggle when people hear that meat is bad for them that causes them like anxiety and stress and so you know she doesn't yeah she doesn't want to add on to that i was like that's so absurd this idea that if you don't tell people that what they're eating is unhealthy that they're not going to have stress about their food everyone has stress about their food either they're afraid that they're not getting the nutrients, they're afraid that they're uh, getting fat, which I'm assuming is for most people, that's their stress around food. Um, they can't afford the food. Whatever the concern is, I, I doubt that there is a person out there that doesn't have some stress around their food. And so her, her argument is just so hollow. You know, all she's going to do when she tells people that veganism is good, that plant-based is good, is that she's going to relieve that stress because, hey, here's something that's cheaper it's healthier uh, it's going to help you uh, lose weight so like it, it ticks off all those boxes you know it doesn't even matter what your concern is it's going to help you uh, with all of those concerns um, I have a friend that uh, she's been plant-based for a while but she switched to healthy plant-based recently and uh, she was talking about how she's losing weight and her eyes lit up and she had a huge smile on her face and she's like I can eat as much as I want and so when you ignore when you ignore the facts all you're doing is you're adding to that stress you know you're not helping alleviate it you're just running away from the problem rather than you know providing a solution for it and uh yeah i don't know i just uh the documentary was good but i also just wanted to max that dietitian a little bit no that's a really good point and i think I don't know. There were so many scenes that really struck me. Like you were saying, there were joyful scenes. There were scenes of people coming together in communities that already existed and just, you know, cooking together and chatting about food and chatting about their experiences. And there was just like a very kind of positive, uplifting tone, which I really appreciated because like you just said, it's not, it's really not about restriction. It's about adding, right? Or maybe substituting and supporting each other and learning together. So I think that's the only way that change happens is when it happens as a community. Oh, yeah. And eating good food should be a joyful experience. So you clearly want to make it that. 
Yeah, I mean, he talked about the power of potlucks. That you know, you make one dish, you get to try out fifteen dishes, and isn't it great that we all get to share the food? Uh, I thought it was really funny how one person was saying that when she's in the a line at the grocery store, she looks at other people's shopping carts, and she can tell <laughs> who's been in the workshop and who hasn't, just based on the items that are in their carts. And uh, I do that sometimes. I look around at people's cards and I'm like, "Yeah, what is this junk you're eating? What is this junk you're eating? <laughs> um, so when you get bored in line at the grocery store, yes, you can read the, the tabloid magazine covers if you're in one of those grocery stores. And if not, then you can just judge people's <laughs> um, grocery store cards. These are your options. Early in the documentary they talked a lot about weight loss and i was i i I thought it was overly focused on that for a while then eventually they broadened it out but i was uh i I was hoping it wasn't going to just deal with the one issue for for a while i was concerned about that yeah that seems to be the problem a lot of people have the the companies workshops yeah uh, i feel like a lot of the problems were either weight loss specifically or things that were related to weight loss like yeah. that one woman that had like the knee issue and getting herself sure. lighter would help sure uh, adult onset diabetes is almost always always goes with uh, being overweight to start with and then just as just as one example there there are so many health conditions that are related to that but uh but yeah, I was hoping we would get past just the weight loss for a while. I was uh, I was wondering if it was going to. I also like that they they talked about uh, genetics and they talked about protein. I feel like a lot of people talk about genetics like it's like, oh, you have bad genes, that's it, I'm dead, or I have cancer, or whatever it is. And he talked about um, so the the doctor Arjun Rayapudi, he talked about how genetics. That's like the the bullet, but it's your diet and lifestyle that's the trigger. And so you can control things. You know, these things are not out of your your control. You can totally change your life and not have your genetics impact you as they may have otherwise. And the other thing was the, the protein. So he said that, you know, we're also focused on protein and protein deficiencies. But, you know, when's the last time you've heard of someone having this deficiency? Mm-hmm. And that that's kind of like a Colleen Patrick Goudreau. She was the first person that I had heard say that. She said, you know, if protein deficiency is such a big deal, if this is so rampant and we all need to worry about it, like, tell me, what's the name for a protein deficiency? You know? And it's like, you don't know. You don't know because it, it doesn't happen. It doesn't, or it doesn't happen on some wide scale. You know, it happens because people don't have food to begin with. It doesn't happen because you have food, just not the right kind of food or something like that. Like it's, it's basically overblown. Yep. And I really like the fact that he pinpointed focused on that or that they did. Yeah. I, uh, they didn't talk at all about uh, things like snack foods and uh, there are healthy snack foods. And, and uh, I think that's sometimes worth a discussion. Uh, having more nuts and seeds around instead of the uh, whatever it is, whatever sugar filled things that people are eating as snack foods is, something can always be mentioned it was nice to see that the changes weren't just happening in the community the changes were happening for the mm-hmm. doctors as well so like at right at the very end they talk about uh something called a jigs dinner which is like some traditional newfoundland dinner which is just a bunch of boiled like vegetables and some <laughs> meat and so i'm assuming the meat gets taken out both the doctors in this gift of health wellness seminar thing 
both of them are of an Indian background. He's uh, and they were saying that yeah, our food is so flavorful. And then we come to Newfoundland and they have this jigs dinner, which is just turned into boiled vegetables. And like, <laughs> how can I even eat this? But you know, now they love it. Now they absolutely love it. <laughs> So it's you know change happens both ways. It's it's mm, not just yeah. they're they're ch- making the change that the change is affecting them as well, or the community is affecting them as well. Yeah, that scene was really funny. I enjoyed that. Yeah. So if you listened to Veg Out two weeks ago, um, you might remember that we were discussing one of the kind of epicenters of COVID cases, which is actually slaughterhouses. So um, Sweta has an update on what's going on there. I actually don't have that much of an update because I can't find anything. It's like, it's like very frustrating. So what happened ah, interesting. Actually, right after the, uh, the episode aired, the last episode, um, Alberta Health Services reopened, or I guess the province actually reopened the, that slaughterhouse um, that had so many cases, the High River uh, slaughterhouse yeah. that's um, by Cargill in Alberta. And Alberta Health Services were going to be there on the 4th, uh, the union surveyed 600 people over the weekend, so just before the slaughterhouse was going to open, and 85% people, uh, 85% of the workers that were surveyed reported that they didn't actually want to refer, uh, return back to work because they were afraid. And yep. uh, I don't know, that's like, that's, it's, it sucks that they have to go back in, although uh, I did read somewhere that the union said, like, you know, if you don't feel safe, don't go back in. But I don't know how that works with unemployment because you can't say I'm not going to go to work and then get unemployment, right? And so Jonathan, uh, oh, I always forget his like his full name, Jonathan Saffron uh, Frower. Uh, he's the guy that wrote the book, which name I'm forgetting. He wrote um, Eating Animals as yes. well as We Are the Weather. Uh, so he uh, had an article in the Washington Post and he was talking about, you know, um, meat is not essential. Why are we killing for it? And before I read the article, I was thinking, you know, why are we killing animals for it? Why are we killing pigs and chickens for it? But now I understand, oh, he's talking about humans. Why are we killing humans for it? Because that's essentially what we're doing, right? We're, we're keeping these slaughterhouses open even though these slaughterhouses are killing people through the spread of COVID. So why are we keeping this thing open? And we keep talking about how, oh, these workers are so brave. And he's not just talking about slaughterhouse workers. He's talking about all these services like um, like Postman or Amazon workers. Uh, we keep saying that they're brave and we make it seem like it's like a choice that, that they're returning back to work. And it's like, it's not a choice. We're forcing them into it. And we're just calling them brave so that we can feel like, I don't know that, again, that make it feel like they have a choice so we don't have to feel bad when we order our Amazon package or when we, um, you know, eat meat. And it's like, this is not a choice for them. They're forced into doing these things. They don't want to do these things. And it really sucks that they have to do these things because we're deeming this essential. So again, the slaughterhouse, um, it reopened at the beginning of May and uh, I I don't know, I can't find like any updates as to what's going on. The Globe and Mail had this really good article with five uh, slaughterhouses uh, in Canada and the various outbreaks that have happened there. And I'll put the link to that in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was aware there were others and I, I was just going to add that. Yeah. We don't, we don't need detail on that, but there have, there have been other outbreaks at others, other slaughterhouses in various parts of Canada. Just to like get close to home, there's one in Brampton 
that also closed because yep. they had multiple workers, you know, test positive. So it's not just like all the way out in Alberta. Uh, yeah. There's you know things happening. There before. was a there was a second one in Alberta, and there's a large one in Quebec as well. Yeah. Uh, and and then the one in Brampton is somewhat smaller. Yeah. Yeah, I think Brampton. I, was it the Maple Leaf Foods Poultry Plant? I believe that's the one. Was it? It's a smaller one, yeah. but yeah, and then there's some in Quebec as well. Yeah, so I think we can segue from there to um, talking about what's happening here in Toronto in terms of some of our favorite um, plant-based businesses and how they're all, you know, dealing with the situation now. And yeah, uh, last last time I was involved speaking about this, uh, a couple of places had closed up because they weren't sure what to do with staying with staying open. They're they're just not getting having enough business to make it worth it. And they revamped their hours, and they're doing a little better now. In one in one case, they could still do with a lot more, though. Uh, and that's where I'll start. Uh, Haven at 366 Bloor West is uh, it's a, largely a, it's set up largely as a takeout place. They've only got three or four tables set up for later, although they never did open the tables. Is now open from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. seven nights a week seven evenings a week. And uh, this, this is run by the same people who ran Vegetarian Haven in the past. Uh, they've always been a very big part of our community. And uh, whenever I go in there, there's nobody nobody ahead of me. I don't have to wait in line or anything. And uh, that suggests to me they're not doing, the, doing all that well. And the food is wonderful. Moogie has shortened their hours. They're open uh, from one to seven... Friday, Saturday, and Sunday only. And uh, they seem to be doing a little better. They've got a, for the number of hours they're open, but it doesn't cover the whole week for, uh, there's still a lot of income the rest of the week, I'm sure. I don't think any of these places are doing really well, uh, except maybe Fresh. Fresh is open. Uh, well, the one on uh, Spadine and Richmond's open till 10 in the evenings. I think the others are open till 9. <laughs> And there usually is a couple of people ahead of me every time I show up. Usually the people ahead of me are uh, food delivery services, uh, uh, Uber, DoorDash, largely. But there there are a number of options still open at this time of year and uh, during this time with the COVID, uh, the COVID stuff going on. And they're not doing well. None of them are and deserve some support. Any anybody else been been eating out at all lately, and or or well, getting takeout, you can't you can't really eat out in the normal sense. I will throw in a plug for um, Karma Co-op, so not so much for takeout, but for um, oh, yeah. supporting small grocery store. Um, they continue to be open with reduced hours, and their staff are just incredible and doing a wonderful job of you know maintaining the you know really positive and welcoming atmosphere while also really limiting the number of customers in the store. So I've been going there every weekend. They're encouraging people to just shop once a week to avoid um, the number of people that staff are interacting with. But it's just a wonderful place if you live in the end. It's near um, Bloor and Bathurst. Okay, so we have three exciting updates um, from the TVA. We have three events coming up, which I will share briefly. So first of all, we have an online cooking demo, Make Your Own Homemade Vegan Cheeses in Five Minutes with Ali Lazar, also known as Mama Vegan. 
This is happening on Saturday, May 30th at 1 p.m. And it's just $5, which all goes towards supporting the TVA. So you can visit the TVA's Facebook page for the event page and registration link or email admin at veg.ca if you don't use Facebook. Secondly, our online lunch club continues. Miss socializing? So do we. Join us for lunch every Monday and Thursday from 12 to 1 for as long as this new normal lasts. You can come for part of the hour or the whole thing. You bring lunch, we'll all talk about whatever. So it's hosted by Zoom by the TBA. Again, you can RSVP on Facebook or to directory at veg.ca and we'll share the meeting link each week. Finally, very exciting news, the TVA is turning 75 this June 19th, so just about a month from now. Stay tuned for exciting virtual celebrations, including an online auction, vegan rock, and a special birthday gala. You've been listening to Veg Out, the Toronto Vegetarian podcast and radio show brought to you by TVA's Resource Centre crew. We are heard on CJRU 1280 AM, The Scope. Remember, you can always listen to past episodes on our app, the Veg Guide, and at veg.ca slash vegout. Find out everything you need to know about what we do at veg.ca. If you're listening to this podcast in May 2020, please note that the Resource Centre is still closed due to COVID-19. Please check our social media for updates. Until next time, Veg, veg Out! out. out.